Hello, and thank you all for tuning into our weekly podcast here at HVCLA. This week, we did not do our traditional Sunday sermon due to our annual backpack giveaway, where we give away a thousand fully stocked backpacks to our local community, but we still wanted to leave you with something special. So here's the behind the scenes footage of last week's peer talk. If this message impacts you in any way, don't forget to email us at amen at hvcla.com. We're calling this pure talk. This is how it came to be. Uh, this past Sunday here at Heavenly Vision, we all got together to uh, talk about the past series. We had been in the series of Pure all month, and so we wanted to have a time where we could have a discussion on stage and take questions from the congregation. Now, unbeknownst to me, almost everybody in the congregation had a question. And so these are a few that we had left that we wanted to give answer to. And so myself with my esteemed panel of colleagues, I have Minister Rodney Howard, who is our musical director here. We have Tierra Martin, who is a grad student at the University of Southern California. And we have Sister Deidre Howard, she's an MBA herself. But anyway, she is our church administrator. And so we wanted to take a time, take some time to answer the remainder of these questions. As you can hear behind you, we do have a few people left in the audience. You ever have it at your church when like after church is over and people just don't want to go home? Yeah, these are those people. <laughs> so excuse me, we're gonna ask ask for answers. Excuse this me, a few of these questions. Uh, well, all the ones that I have left due to I have our five. And so we're gonna answer these. Where we give away uh, a thousand fully stocked backpacks to our local to, community. But, I but we still wanted to leave you with something special. All right. So here uh, is the serious behind note. the scenes footage uh, of the If any of these questions strike a chord with you, if you need someone to talk to, if you need some of these matters. You can email us at any point in time at amen at hvcla.com. If you're one of the people who are in the congregation and Hello, I'm and answering your question and you need some more connectivity, you need to talk more, this week, I want we did you not do our to traditional reach out to us due to our at amen at hvcla.com. We give away a thousand fully stocked backpacks to right. our local community, we we but we still wanted to leave Let's you go. with something special. So here is the behind-the-scenes footage of last week's How do I know when God is leading me in the right way so that I will not be disappointed in the outcome of situations in the matter of the heart. How do I know God is leading me so that I will not be disappointed? Hello, and thank you all for tuning into our weekly podcast here at HBCLA. This week, we did not do our traditional Sunday sermon due to our annual backpack giveaway, where we give away a thousand fully stocked backpacks to our local community. But we still wanted to leave you with something special. So here is the behind-the-scenes footage of last week's Pure Talk. If this message impacts you in any way, don't forget to email us at amen at hbcla.com. But I think what helped me the most is understanding who I was first. And if I understood who God made me to be, which obviously is a journey in itself with your walk with Christ, then I can appreciate who God brings to my life to be a friend or, you know, for in my case, a girlfriend, a potential courting mate, and then a wife. Because if you don't really, if you don't fit my life in that regard, then I don't really see a need for us to have close quarters. I mean, Tierra, you talked about this during service when we were talking about it. If, um, if someone has your standards, or even if they don't, and on the inverse, if they don't match what your life is, and you know, I just, you know, I can't waste my time, because there's things that's 
state. So in my life, it was more so in terms of who I was. And when I had to step out and make a choice on even dating, I had to seek God first. And before I was dating uh, my now wife, before I was dating my now wife, I, uh, I determined in my heart that I wanted to be pure, as we've been discussing in this, in this series. And so when I realized that that was what God was doing for me, he blessed me with this woman. She was my friend. You guys, uh, when, when I proposed to her, I mentioned that. Like God organically, just divinely built us into being just the best friends. And every step I took was prayed over. And, and you know, I had counsel. Bishop was there with me every step of the way. He would even pull on me like, hey, man, it's, uh, what you going to do? <laughs> Waste this woman's time. You know? But uh, all in all, listen, <laughs> but ultimately, it was, I was my knowledge against my personal time. It was my knowledge that it was God's choice for me because I had a relationship with him in a way that I knew when he spoke to me, and I knew when it was not him speaking. I always thought there were three influences in your heart or in your mind and life. There's you, there's the devil, and there's God. And if you know which is speaking, then you know who to listen to. Uh, and I felt like it was easier for me to know when God was speaking to me because I had time with him personally before I was dating, before I, and then even when I was dating her, I was still trying to put God before her, even though I was falling in love and knew I wanted to marry and propose and all that stuff. I had to make sure that God was first. So knowing him helped me to know his voice, which helped me to take a step out there to determine if it was him or not. And I mean, thank, thanks be to God, I wasn't wrong. Just like what Minister Rodney and Sister Howard was saying is, 
making sure that you are still putting God first so that you're, you, your ear is inclined to hear his word, but then also going into the situation, going into the space with a pure mind. So not going in just automatically like this person is gonna be here or this is what I'm looking for in this person because if you go in with more expectations, then you're automatically not pure. You're not thinking pure, which means you're not gonna be reacting pure or you're not gonna be living the lifestyle being pure. You're gonna bend toward what you want. Yeah, you're gonna bend towards what you want and then oftentimes if you're bending towards what you want, you're decreasing what God is trying to speak to you. And if you're bending towards what you want, it's not aligning to what God has for you. And so that's what I would say to like the young people out there and a single woman and men, that's how I dealt with those situations. Yeah, that's great that you said that. Something that, that just, uh, just rose with my spirit. The stronger your desire, the weaker your discernment. Yeah. You know? And, and if, your, if your desire is, I mean, if you're just on 10, if you if you have a, a I mean an amazing desire, you you lose you weaken your even if you have the gift of discernment, you weaken your ability to discern if you if you're overly you know engaged if you I mean if you're just desiring so much I mean that just that, that struck out to me. Um, but I wanted to also add, answer uh, the question like this: You know it's right, you know it's God leading when it, even the conflict, even the issues lead you closer to God. God will never put you in anything that will bring you away from him or that will pull you away from him. So you know it's God when even in the midst, in the midst of conflict or in the midst of, uh, you know, just good times, it's leading you closer to God. And then the last thing I wanted to share is, is just be mindful of uh, one, of, one of our apostolic elders, uh, Pastor David Cobb. I love him. Pastor's uh, City at the Cross in Long Beach, California. I love him, sir. Uh, Pastor David says, that we cannot underestimate the blessing of journey. Because a lot of times, you know, we, we're, we're so focused on the destination or destiny that we don't recognize that it is actually the journey that God uses to prepare us for our destiny, to prepare us for the destination. You know, this is like when Jesus tells the, he tells the lepers, he says, go show yourself to the priest. And the reality is, is that they were clean, as the Bible says, as they went. And so many times we, we, we you know, we kind of want like that click kind of mentality. You don't want to fast forward to, uh, you know, the destination of the destiny. But we have to thank God for the journey because it is the journey, the process that that makes us, you know, we, we, we can't microwave, you know, we have to go through the process, have to go through the journey. So, so yeah, that's how I believe from, from our perspective that you will uh, be following the leading of God and, and that you won't be disappointed with the outcome. When it's God, you won't be disappointed with the outcome. The Bible says that he makes all things work together for the good. That is his intended purpose. So even if it turns out to be something that you didn't even expect, you know that it's God's intended purpose. And then, Bishop, one of, the, one of the things I was thinking is for people that are just too timid to even try and attempt to jump out there because you might think it's God or you might not be sure. You don't you know. Ecclesiastes? Yeah, you, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, no. You got it. You got it. Really? You got it? No, yeah, I can, you can have it. I got no. Um, Proverbs chapter 3. The uh, Bible says, um, Bible says, trust the Lord with all your heart, lead not to your own understanding. Verse 6 says, in all that ways acknowledge and will direct your path. Sometimes we don't make us, we don't even take a step for God to direct that path. Mm. We get too caught up on whether or not it's him because we don't want to fall, we don't want to make a mistake, we don't want to make the wrong choice, the wrong decision. But we gotta take a step for God to create direction. 
Otherwise, we're not really doing anything and it will never develop the trust in him and what he's speaking and when he speaks, we'll never know because we don't ever try him at his word. We don't ever give him a chance to direct a path because we don't choose one. We don't take it. Go ahead, man. I, that's good enough. I'm going to leave it right there. I'm going to leave it right there. I absolutely have to. Yeah, yeah. Cash and bread upon the water. Anyway. Okay, so the, here's the next question. How much has the music and hip-hop culture uh, how much, excuse me, how much effect has the music and hip-hop culture had on youth and adults in the church? And the second part of the question is, what steps can we take to get revival again? Uh, well, I mean, of course, it has had a myriad of effects. I mean, you, you know, you can, you can look just at culture. Uh, I remember when I was uh, uh, younger and my wife, she talks about me all the time. She makes fun of me. Because I only thought there were, like every Christian song I heard, every church song I heard, I thought it was either, uh, what was it? I thought it was Hezekiah Walker or the Mrs. Mass Choir. I didn't even know there were any other gospel artists. I mean, you know, that's, that's, you know, we're heavily saturated with that. But uh, yes, we, we can see how the hip hop culture has affected the church and how it has in, been infused into the church. And so yes, it, it, has, a, it has a great, it has, it has had a great effect on the church. In, in every regard, from preaching, you know, I know pastors, you know, you know, uh, when DMX came out, y'all gonna make me lose my mind up in here, up in, you know what I mean? <laughs> when I move, you know, so it's, you know, so yeah, of course, it has an effect. Um, it has an effect, and hip hop has an effect, uh, especially at, in negative terms as well. Uh, how we, you know, how we just. This is one of the things that, that I think is, is most detrimental, that it has, um, it has marginalized or made common the illicit. Oh, things, that, that, things that are just, just amoral, things that are illicit because of the repetitiveness of it in the culture as it relates to language, as it relates to certain subject matters. You know, if it's, you know, if, if it's rehearsed, 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 uh, and I, I'm not going to give any glory to any artist right now by <laughs> saying the lyrics, but I mean, we could just pick any song, you know, by any artist right now, because that thing that's amoral, that thing that's illicit, because it's repetitive. I think it, I think it's the same thing that uh, uh, David says, thy word, O Lord, have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against God. He says, I meditate on his word daily. If, if meditating on the word of the Lord leads us to godliness, then meditating on uh, you know, I guess we can call it the word of darkness, <laughs> you know, uh, it will lead us into lasciviousness. It will lead us to living an amoral lifestyle. And so these these hooks that, you know, kids before they can even, you know, say their ABCs or before they know their birthday, you know, <laughs> they know these these infectious lyrics. And so I think it has, uh, the way it has affected it is just eroding, uh, making common the most illicit things of, uh, you know, of the world. I was going to say that my wife and I were actually talking about this last night. My wife and I and our daughter, we were talking, and uh, we were just discussing how, uh, you know, gospel music industry would partner or, or collaborate, music terms would say, collaborate with, uh, you know, hip-hop artists or an R&B artist, and how it's been, say, it's around, uh, I, would, I would argue around early 90s when it actually started. Uh, um, um, Kirk Franklin was probably one of the first to do it on a prominent, you know, high impact level. Uh, when he recorded Stomp the Remix, he had Salt on there. We 
getting hurt from, you know, pushing. And, and even going into crack. <laughs> my bad. Okay. So, hooks. But uh, even today, um, she was showing me something on Facebook, it was one of the social media outlets, that uh, there's a prominent gospel artist right now today that's going to be collaborating with a prominent hip hop artist. And it, it automatically creates a lot of controversy. And it created a great conversation amongst us three. We were sitting at home at night, uh, last night, and just talking about it. And I had my opinion, she had her. She was thinking along the, the you know, right with me. I'm not with it being under the Leo, and I believe it's no partner with him. And I'm more on the side of, of infiltration, light and darkness. And you know, we have illustrations and stuff about it. But I think it makes a difference in determining what the goal is versus if it's you that needs to do it or if you have the energy to do it. Because I mean, Jesus hung out with tax collectors and all of them for three years of his life. They ate, drank, slept together, lived, did life together, and at the end of it, they were changed. So I don't know if I would even call that being unequally open now believers. They believed in him eventually. If they didn't, the people that did walk with him learned of him and got to know him. So and let me let me touch on that. I don't want to you know, go down the rabbit hole, but even as it relates to the whole concept of I'm 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 such an advocate for people properly contextualizing scripture. You know, when when it talks about being unequally yoked, um, when the apostle teaches as, as it relates to that, one we were talking about being in a covenant relationship. You know, the yoke and and and, it, and it meant that that they were one either in a relationship together or there was a goal in mind that they needed to work together to get towards. And, and so I, I think for, for the believer, and I'll hit on what you said, it is imperative that the believer understands what their, what their goal is and, and no architecture. You know, if, if you know what your architecture is, if you know what God called you to do, what, and, and, and if this is part of you doing that, then I'm all for it. You know, Jesus probably did a lot of things that were, were close quote unquote taboo or risque, you know, going to Zacchaeus' house, you know, uh, uh, one of his most devout servants or, or workers or ministry workers, you know, Mary Magdalene, you know, you had these people that, that had tawdry past and present even, you know, but when he was there, he knew his assignment for their life. And I think it's imperative that we as believers, we know our assignment. I guess to answer the, the second part of it, the step we could take is really one understanding what is what is not conducive or healthy for our spirit. Yes, yes. I love music. I mean, I I I mean, I, I have eclectic taste. I love all kind of music, but there are certain things I'm just not gonna listen to yeah. because I know it's toxic. It's 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 a it, it serves as a detriment to my spirit. So one just know what what's a no, what's a no. Yeah. Uh, but then also. Um, being able to to just set a proper properly contextualize my life to where outside stimuluses don't hinder me. Yeah, yeah. yeah like you know, like there's certain things that just won't hinder me. It won't affect me because uh, I, I, I'm impenetrable in that regard. You know, so I, so I think if, if we make ourselves vulnerable, you know, and, and we're open to it, then yeah, anything is going to affect us. You know. If, if we're looking for an out in our marriage, you know, and we listen to, you know, you know, a song that says, you know, come away from your man, you know what I mean? Or oh, she ain't, she ain't for you. You're like, yeah, she ain't for me. You know what I mean? But if, if that's, 
you know, if that's where you are, you know, so just, just you know, making, making yourself uh, uh, appropriate, you know, so that things don't affect you, infiltrate you. Anything else you guys? Ladies? Okay, so, so I, I, I think that ultimately, revival, the only way we can get revival in any regard, the only way true revival comes is through seeking of the Lord. Whatever you're doing, stop and seek God. That's where revival comes. You know, and revival is not, a, it's not about a location. It's not about a season. It's not about a time or people. Anybody, and you've seen revival in Nineveh. Now, this was, I mean, they were lascivious people. They were probably, whatever the twerk music of that day was, they had it. You know what I mean? Whatever was going on. But when they heard the word of Jonah, and they said, you know what, we're going to fast, we're going to turn back to the Lord, even in that place, God spared them. And so I think even in this Nineveh-like, you know, culture that we live in, uh, if we just seek God, turn, turn for what we're doing and seek him, I, I believe revival will ensue. Uh, here's the next question. How to stay pure in an unpure marriage where your spouse is living for the world and you're living for God. Mm. How to stay pure in an unpure marriage where your spouse is living for the world and you're living for God. I would say you have to do a lot of prayer. You have to cover your husband in prayer. Cover your husband in prayer. And make sure you as the wife is the living example. That's good. For him um, to bring him to Christ. Don't stop praying. Um, don't stop loving him. Don't stop doing your your wifely duties because he's not living for God. Ooh, okay. Don't um, you still be the wife that God has called you to be? Um, yeah, just for me, it would be just heavy, heavy prayer. Just surround yourself with women that can pray for you. And, and, and make sure that, like I said, that you're being the, you know, the living example. Right. Right. And prayer, you know, prayerfully that, you know, God will turn it around to believe that thing, that God will That's turn Paul says about the conversation yes. uh, of the, the, the same wife. Yes, she will save her unbelieving husband. Right? Yes. I, I, like, I like that because I, um, like, again, as a newly married Let's just so everybody knows, he's newly married. Very excited. He Love just it. got married in February. We're probably going to hear that seven more times before this video is over. As a newly married man. Okay, good. I think the best part of that for me is 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 just uh, the guarding of it. Because I can't deny that I live in this life, with this in this world where sin and trouble's all around. And, you know, anything could deter me away from any level of purity. So I might not... I'm not going to denounce Christ, you know, but something that may occur in my life that I just decide, oh, I don't feel like that right now, and then that becomes habitual. Now I have created an impure place for my wife to have to live with. And so even to the Christian who may think that they got it all right, you know, and their husband or their spouse in any regard is, is you know, looking or seemingly not the same as you in that playing field and whatnot, I would think even turning it to myself, you have to consider every part of your life all the time, because now you're living to um, 
you're living in a way that relates to them and they have to relate to you, who you are is gonna be forever intertwined. So if you're not pure in one way or you're not guarded, not to make it so hard to seem like it's hard to do, but if you're not- Straight up. Yeah, if, you, if you're not guarded, anything can seep in and now you're impure in that area and it may not be as obvious as I'm just not living for Christ. It might be something as subtle as, you know, I don't want to go to Bible study tonight. You can go, and then that turns into uh, not just I'm tired from work the previous evening, but I just don't want to go on Tuesdays no more. And then now you don't have that communion with your spouse at you know studying the word together. Yeah, you know, I want to I want to give a little pushback though because I, I'll go from I'll, I'll uh, go from this angle. One, how you so godly. And, and your spouse is not. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, we got to, I mean, there's a few questions. Uh, you know, like, did you, were you saved uh, and you married somebody that was unsaved? Because if that's the case, then you need to ask yourself, if, if God, if, you know, if it's like, if it's like a whole, whole uh, I mean, a Gomar and Hosea type scenario where God called you to marry this person in their unsaved state, then clearly God wants to teach you something or teach them something in that. And so, we have to recognize, and I mean, I say this all the time, your, your spouse is your first ministry. Uh, but then on the other hand, uh, if, if both of y'all were in the world, and, you know, when you first got married, and then you got, uh, you got, you got, so something happened, you went to a revival, something happened, you went to a meeting, you were like, in your heart, wasn't right. Uh, you, you had this revival, or, or, or just this awakening in yourself, why did you leave your spouse behind? You know, we, we need to make sure that, I mean, it's just like, you know, if, if you, you eat at a great restaurant, I mean, like, oh no, man, you gotta try this. You know, we have to make sure that we are, we are, if we go somewhere, if, if we're elevating in our life, make sure that our spouse is with, them, with, with us. If they give pushback, then of course, like you said, you know, want to continue to pray for them and seek God. Ultimately, we want to make sure that that's the person we're supposed to be with. Um, you know, no shade to anybody who married the wrong person, but sometimes we marry the wrong person. And I've said this of God many times before. God is not obligated to keep any relationship together that he didn't put together. The Bible says, what God had joined together, let no man put asunder. But what man joined together, it will crumble. <laughs> it could crumble. It's susceptible to crumble. Uh, and, but then outside of that, the only other thing I would say is patience. Patience. You know, did not God have patience with you, believer? You know, and, and, and drawing you to a place of maturity? We have to be patient with one another. And so if, if, if your spouse is, whatever the case is, if you're at a place of holiness and you're or at a place of purity and your spouse is at a place of, uh, where they're living unpure, they're living uh, of the world, then we have to make sure that we are ministering to them, that we are striving to evangelize them. You know, sometimes the evangelism field may be in your home. You know, the discipleship field may be in your in your marriage. And so, utilize that. Uh, if the Holy Ghost be in you, and if they be willing to receive, you got it. You can do this. Yeah. You can do this. And if and if they're unwilling to turn their hearts to God, then you maybe need to ask yourself if that's the person you should have been with in the first place. Because people make mistakes. That's why pencils have erasers. I'm serious. You know, and, and, here, and here's the thing. Divorce is not God's will. 
by no means. Uh, uh, it is not, it is, I don't think it, it's a good choice for anybody. But if you have not done the will of God, then you have to find out what you need to do to get back to God's will. Anything else on that before we move? So can I ask you a question about that? You no. said you have to <laughs> no, <go ahead. laughs> you have to find out uh, what you have to do to get back to God's will. Right. So in that regard, would you say that just, you know, all bets are off, you know, whatever I need to literally whatever you got to do to get back to God's will. Is that here's 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 what I would say. Um, Yes, pretty much is 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 whatever I got to do to to get to God. Now, I don't think God is going to tell anybody to get a divorce. That that is just it's just scripturally untitled. I can't say that God is going to tell anybody to get a divorce. Uh, what's what some people may find is that because I did this, now I got to deal with it. Now that's that's some that's something else. That's that's a little totally. We need to find it, and we need to hear from God. You know, if if God said, "Yeah, you made the wrong decision, but now you stuck," yeah. well, then you you better make the most of it. Be 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 there and be a be a testament. If not for you, make it for your children. If not for you, maybe maybe make for the people that that are in you know that are that are following your life. I, I know of a senior, and I won't call her name, but I know of a senior who. Who was with an ungodly husband? Matter of fact, in our family, uh, uh, ungodly. I mean, this person was abusive. Person suffered with many different things, and she suffered through it. And God took him. God took him, and now she's living her holy, righteous life. And God has blessed her, and now she has other things that she has to deal with. But I mean, she stuck it out. You know. My, Jesus said it like this, you know, the only reason why you got to, why Moses even gave you a permission to get a divorce is because of the hardening of your heart. So now, now you have to ask yourself, how big is my heart? How deep is my love for Christ and for my spouse? Am I more care, uh, I'm more concerned about my comfort or their ultimate, you know, well-being? Yeah, that's, that's a whole other video. Paul said, this is a hard saying. It's a hard saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now here, let's deal with this. This is this is this is this is tough one here. Um, they, they just get hard from here, guys. So you know. Okay. <laughs> Am I still a virgin if I indulge in different sexual activities and a silence coming across the crowd? <laughs> Am I still a virgin if I indulge? I like how you just you like, hey, lady. <laughs> <laughs> am I still a virgin if I uh, talk to the virgin? You know, am, I, am I still a virgin if I indulge in any type of sexual activity? Yes. <laughs> Since um, our resident virgin here. Yes. <laughs> I, I would have to say, um, and this is like I was sharing with Minister Rodney earlier. This is something that I've debated with other youth. Mm. Who are young as well? Because this, is, get a position. this is what a lot of like a lot of young people deal with is they they feel as though well to answer the question um, no you're not can't go ahead tell you're me not um, and sorry I know that's raw and that's 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 raw it's real and I'm being transparent you're not because 
at the end of the day, I was also sharing with just how empowered is that you are also, like mentally, you're also thinking and imagining somebody or trying to fill a void. And so it's been up for debate. Like a lot of young people think like, oh, I'm still a virgin because there hasn't been another person technically penetrating um, or penetration. So just living my lifestyle, I've told people like, no, you're not because it's also, you're clouding your judgment, you're clouding your emotions. Um, and you're also getting, you're physically, yeah, you're physically, you know, that's also a cloud, a cloud of your physical, your physical activity, mm -hmm. um, if that makes sense, so I hope that makes sense. So to answer that question, I say, no, you're not, and to, that's also not pure. Like if you're engaging in other sexual activities and you're trying to live a pure lifestyle as far as like virginity, even if it's abstinence, that is not pure at the end of the day because you're still engaging in something. You're engaging in something that's, like you said earlier, you're mentally engaging in something, you're emotionally engaging in something, so. Yeah, you, you, you brought an interesting point that uh, even the, the whole concept of virginity at, from a biblical perspective is, is not just about, oh, your hymen hasn't been broken, mm -hmm. but it's, a, it's about a state of mind. It's about a state of being. So it's, it's not just about the absence of activity. But it's it's about the 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 posture, the spiritual, mental, emotional posture that one takes up. My goal is to save myself, not just for marriage, but to to save myself as unto the Lord. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I, I, I anybody else? Oh. I was thinking about what I had to endure over long lines as I unfortunately I was not a virgin when I got married. But in terms of virginity and, and just keeping myself pure thereafter, uh, you know, I commit that to, I committed that to the Lord. And, Bless me, God, through. But uh, Jesus said, if you look at a woman lustfully, mm -hmm. then you've already committed adultery in your heart. Wow. So if I'm a virgin and I look at a woman lustfully, I've just lost it. For, I mean, I mean, maybe it's a bit radical, but perhaps I've just given myself to them mentally in my mind. Mm. And now God, I mean, Jesus has has deemed that as being impure. So to the regard of even what you were saying about, uh, and the question for that matter about, about uh, just the loopholes of, you know, escaping. Well, technically. Yeah, you know, I didn't do that yet, you know, but you, you've lusted in your heart. And if it's a matter, if it's about purity, which is, I think, deeper than virginity, uh, if you want to consider it that way. Right. It's a matter of, if it's done in your heart, you've done it. You know, and so that's what I've had to check myself with, having not been a virgin uh, mm -hmm. when I got married. Mm -hmm. So, so the the concept is not just about it, uh, having the actual act or a particular act, but having your mindset, having your heart set on doing that which pleases God. Yes. Yeah. Did you ask that? Yes, sir. I wanted to ask a question to all of us. Question. Now, how do we? change that culture when it's in our church. When we have young people that are doing this. Let's do whatever you do, but don't do that. Right. <laughs> this how is a church for somebody. Right, so how do we, you know, because one thing I can say about Heavenly Vision, we push the envelope here. We talk about stuff. We do things here that other churches don't even touch. It's taboo. Help but us. even doing this video and talking about this topic, this is real life stuff. Mm -hmm. So how do we, as a church, and I know there's only so much we can do, but if 
we set the standard. We start talking to our our youth about these things now because they talk to us about it. Right. How do we now change that in our youth that's sitting in our congregation? Well, I, I think the, the best way is even as uh, you know, as we as we seen in the scripture today, we looked at uh, for our text of focus on what we were uh, gathering our minds around was uh, Philippians chapter four, verse eight. Uh, talks about whatever things are good, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are of excellence, whatever things are commendable. Think on these things. I believe that if as we begin to change the narrative, I don't want I don't want to be a preach a, a, a church, excuse me, where we preach all the time, all the time. Don't do this. Don't do that. You're going ahead. You're going. You know. I I, I want us to begin to shift the narrative to where we begin to look at life from a from a, with a pure mindset. Uh, I, I think many, many, many of the the, the issues that people have had at, 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 with church in general is the heaviness of prohibition, yeah. but the yes. weakness of approbation. Yeah. Like so, so you prohibit me from doing this, but but what what are you uh, uh, leading me to do? What should I do? Where where should I go? And so, if we change the narrative, if we if we make it a, if we make it a concept that oh yeah, being pure is what we do. You know, uh, holding our virginity until we get married, that's just how we do. Uh, uh, talking kind to people, not using profanity, that, that's, that's a way of being. If we live countercultural, uh, I think if we make that our standard of living, our standard of being, uh, if we make that the, the cultural confine here, I think that, that we will help shift the narrative in the hearts and minds of not just our young people, but, but of people of all age groups, excuse me. That we just say, you know what? No, we're, we're going to set our minds on this. Yeah, yeah. Not what you don't do, but what you should do. Notice I didn't say you do. No, you <laughs> but I just said it. Anyway. You know, we, we set our minds on, on what should be done. We, we, set, we, we, we elevate the conversation. You know, we, we bring ourselves away. This is the standard. This is what God expects of me. Something I learned my wife, when she, especially when she was in college, uh, and she was going through uh, early childhood development. Uh, I was always, you know, with our kids, no, don't do that, don't do that, stop it, sit down, what are you doing, you know, and I, and I was more, uh, you know, negative in my, uh, in my address to them, and she, she shared with me that, you know, what she learned in early childhood is that we give them other options, we give them alternatives, and so I think if we, if we lift up the, 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 the righteous standard, the godly alternative, like, this is what, it, this is how everybody else is living, but this is how we really should live, if, if we give them an alternative, we claim this. If we give them an alternative lifestyle, <laughs> if we if we give them an alternative lifestyle, I think that that will become the norm. Yeah. You know, and I, I think it's a matter of, uh, and I love what you're saying. I think it's a matter of of uh, being less sin conscious. We take the time more out God to conscious, right? yeah, yeah, more God yeah. conscious. You know, learned that a while back, and it's good to know that we have a we can present that, and I think it unfolds practically, sometimes organically. You develop. Uh, you know, when you have like small groups and, and things like that, and that, that kind of build it to, you know, kind of virally infect right. a place. But uh, just being more unconscious makes a difference. You know, what does God say about this as opposed to not doing, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. I mean, even in worship, because we were talking about this once before, I was talking to a friend of mine about uh, the differences in like an urban worship setting versus, you know, uh, a contemporary worship setting. And uh, sometimes the urban worship setting is more struggle-driven. Mm -hmm. 
a and then you have a uh, contemporary worship setting that's just more reverently driven, more awe driven. And I think the difference is <laughs> no, I got you. I, got you. So I think the difference is just drawing that example about how the culture can be shifted uh, because it makes a difference to the the practicality of how you live when you leave the house because you're never never gonna change. I want to shift the narrative because yeah. I you know this this one came to my head. I want to I want to I want to shift the culture from being a Lord lift me up church to Lord I lift your name on high church. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Lord lift me up, pick me up and let me stay. You know what I mean? To Lord I lift your name on high. You know what I mean? Like, like let's let's shift the culture. You know what I mean? Like you know, he he's with us. You know, God is God is with us, and if we begin to uh, utilize what He has empowered us to do, I, I think that I, yeah I, our culture. And our, our, just our whole narrative will be shifted. I think that that's something that we need to do. Yeah. Let's go to our, our last question. Thank you for watching. If you're still watching, thank you for watching. If you just watched or if you fast forwarded, what did we just say? You don't know. <laughs> <Come back. laughs> so here's our last question. Now this, this, this is a serious one. I wanted to get some thought to it. This person, uh, and we're praying for this person. Uh, I was molested by my stepfather between the ages of three and five years while my mom worked at night. Even though my mom divorced and removed this man from my life, at the age of 21, I still see myself as unpure. What steps do I need to regain my life? Uh, first of all, I just want to speak to speak to God's grace in your life because you're still alive. You're still here, and I'm the living God, and I'm declaring wholeness and healing over your life right now. Whether you're watching this or not, I'm believing that the Spirit of God, even as I speak these words, that he is ministering to you right now in the name of Jesus. Uh, and I know, I know my, my castmates are going to help me with this, but I'm believing God that just by the mere virtue you're still living, and that you have enough boldness to talk about it, yeah, God is already doing a mighty work in your life, and I'll speak to it more, but, but what, what would you all have to say? The steps that this person would need to take in order to regain their life. This is this, this amazingly strong 21-year-old. What steps do they need to take to regain their life? I would um, say first, forgive yourself. That's good. Forgive yourself. It wasn't your fault. Um, you didn't want this to happen. Then you must forgive your stepfather. Wow. You have to. That's the only way you're going to be able to move forward. That's right. To true. where it's not going to haunt you for the rest of your life. You have to forgive yourself. Tell yourself, believe that it was not your fault. You didn't do anything to cause this to happen to you. And then ultimately, you have to forgive your stepfather. And I mean, like, really seek God for forgiveness because. It's a hard thing to do, and you're not going to be able to forgive him on your own strength. So don't say, oh, I forgive him, but you really don't, because when you talk about it, you still have that, the residuals of what happened, right. you still have those emotions behind it. You have to get to the place where if he walked into your, he walked in your presence, that there would be nothing. You wouldn't feel anything. You wouldn't want to kill him. You wouldn't want, you know, you wouldn't wish him dead or wish him harm, you have to get to that point in order for you to be able to fully move on in your life. And I'm speaking from a place 
um, experience. I've been through it. And it wasn't until I forgave myself and stopped feeling like it was my fault and I wanted it and I did something to make him want me or do these things to me that I was really able, you know, to fully move on with my life. So, first of all, you gotta forgive yourself. Forgive him, and then with everything in you, sincerely, wholeheartedly start seeking God mm -hmm. for restoration, yeah. so you have a whole, full life in him. Amen, amen. You know, Sister Deidre, you, you spoke on the concept of forgiveness. Um, you know, lift lift that up. I mean, that that's a uh, that, that's a powerful core here in Holy Vision. We're we're probably going to be getting into it soon in the, in the near future. Um, you know, the Greek word that that the New Testament uses for forgiveness, Alpheus, and it gives the imagery of cutting a cord. And the 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 amazing thing is that when we hold or harbor unforgiveness in our heart toward a person, it literally it, now here's the amazing thing. Not only does it tie us to that person, but it ties us in particular to that offense. So wherever we go, whatever we do, if we have not forgiven, we're still connected not just to them, the thought of them, but the thought of what they did. And so forgiveness, uh, while, while it is beneficial for the person that you're forgiving, it's most beneficial for the individual. It's most beneficial for you to forgive. And so, yeah, I, I wholeheartedly agree with you on that. And the only thing that I would add to this is, is to recognize uh, and, and to align yourself with God's divine purpose and destiny for your life. Many times when people go through different things, they abandon what God intended or created them to do. Please understand, God does not erase your destiny because of what somebody did to you. God does not cancel your mission, your ministry, the very vision for your life because of what you did. It still is very much active and is very much in play. Yes, what they did caused, caused it to be a halt in it. It, it stopped it in your mind, but in the, in the eons of God, in the, in the timing of God, the mind of God, you are still that person. You are still who he created you to be. You are still what he has birthed in you to be. You are still all that he has yet to uh, uh, manifest in your life. And so get back on track to that. Begin to align yourself. Who did God create, create me to be? Why am I here on earth? You are more than just someone who has been hurt, been molested, been done wrong. And here's the amazing thing. Uh, Romans tells us that God allows all things to work together for the good. And so... Even in this, God will leverage this experience for his divine glory and for your benefit. And so seek that. Seek what God wants to do in your life beyond this. And we declare in the name of Jesus that you will be healed. You will be delivered. You will be set free. Not just for the person who wrote this, but for anybody who may be watching this right now. You may have, been, uh, you, you may have suffered through abuse or molestation of any matter. I declare in the name of Jesus that even though the enemy, I'll say what Joseph said to his brothers, that while the enemy meant it for evil, God has turned it around for good. And so we are declaring it over your life. And, uh, and I believe in God that even beyond this, that you are going to find a divine place of healing, a divine place of restoration and grace where you can be all that God called you to be and do everything that he called you to do. Uh, anybody have anything you, you would like to just leave with, with, uh, with those watching before we, uh, before we sign off? Anything? Thanks, sir. Ladies first. <laughs> I would just say to those of you that are watching, 
it's so important that we walk this walk of purity with God. It's so important. I can't stress that enough. And I want to thank Bishop for even bringing this series to us that you listen to the Holy Spirit. And you always do when you bring us, you know, the word of God and, and certain series because shortly after we start experiencing different things or even during the series we start experiencing things in our life. And so thank you for always being obedient to the voice of God for this house. To God be the glory. And those of you that are struggling with um, impurity, whether it be sexual immorality or just, you know, thoughts, um, you know, unforgiveness, all those things boil down to, you know, not living a pure life. Find your way back to God. Yes. Find yes. your way yes. back to Him. Yes, that's good. He's, you know, the scripture, Philippians 4, 8, it just, Paul just directs us back to God. He, everything of God is, is pure, it's true, it's a good report. The word of God is all of that. So find yourself in the word of God. House yourself, live in it, rest, lodge in the word of God. It, and it's so important, especially where we are now as the church, that we're, we're going to have to live pure lives in order for people to be saved. We have to be that examples of what a pure life actually looks like. So I just implore all of you that are listening to start now. It's not too late. And that's one thing I love about God. It's never too late as long as we're alive and breathing. Yes, yes. He is waiting for us with open arms. Today is the day. Of Today is the day. If you fall down, get back up. He doesn't, you know, you know, write this thing on us to say that we can't to try it again. You know, there's no, well, you messed up today, it's done, I'm, I'm done with you. No, he's there, you, you fall, get back up. You yes. make a mistake, get back up, try Amen. it again. He loves us so much. He loves us so much and and, and, and try, those of you, even this young lady, I, I believe it's a young lady that wrote the last question. Um, seek God, just, just seek God in, in everything from this point on and he's there. If this wasn't a mistake, yeah. um, even asking yourself, why did this happen? Because when people want help and you start giving them examples of help or advice for help, they have all these questions, but why, but why, but why, why did God allow this to happen to me? He did this and they start ABCing all the things, you know, the acts of what happened. And, and yeah, it's, it's horrible, and, but God has a plan for your life, even yeah. in that. There's still a plan. Hallelujah. There's still a plan for your life. No matter how horrible it may seem, you're going to have to minister to someone else that have been through the same thing. You didn't go through this by yourself. You didn't go through it for yourself. It's always for someone else. And so with that being said, um, purity is, is, is where we need to be, is where we need to be living. Um, we, we have to. Um, just to piggyback also is to no matter where you are at in life, um, pure, unpure, get back on track. It's never too late. And I think that's really important because a lot of times if you're living an unpure life, even if it's thoughts, you're like, dang, you're beating yourself up. 
Don't beat yourself up. Give yourself a pat on the back to be able to say, you know what, I'm not where I'm supposed to be. I'm not in the right place. I'm not where I'm supposed to be in God and get back to that place. Um, also, I would say, I lost my train of thought, so I will, it'll come back to me, but that's all I have to say. I was thinking that it's, and I'm always, I tend to be practical at times. And so I, with, with that, having said that, I think that it's harder for people to maintain purity once you declare purity over yourself or once you decide to live pure. I think the, the trick of it, if you want to consider it, call it a trick, is the consistency part of it. And we touched on this when we were talking about it in service. The consistency is the difference maker. That's that's the that's is the is the deal breaker, or is the difference maker. And if we don't have it, we're either we're either going to shipwreck shipwreck our purity, or will otherwise cause it to uh, be stagnant or or, or slow to uh, to be a part of our lives. And and even at the point of decision, like I'm deciding to be pure, this is the way I want to live my life. Once that's done, there's work to be done to create that consistency. And the only way you're really going to do that is if you practically apply what it is that you know of God, but learning of him makes the difference as well. Knowing who this God of the Bible is, is what's going to allow that consistency to occur. You can't create it from uh, uh, just a lack of knowledge. You'll be unrestrained and you'll have this, I'm going to live pure, but you won't really know what to do. So there's like, it's like you ever see a bunch of ants and they're going to the whatever they're looking for. When I was a kid, I was I was I would take the ant trail and I would kind of destroy it. And I would watch the ants and they wouldn't know where to go. They would try to find each other again. And then I'd come back and maybe a day or two later even and then they have a new trail. My point is to suggest that even when you make a mistake, once you've started on that path and you cause yourself to make a mistake or something happens and it you know, all of a sudden the trail, the scent trail of your purity is, is gone awry. It doesn't mean that you lost and it's just done. You know, the void of the trail or the, the, the blaze of people before you that have gone before you that, that can help you and that have seen where you need to go, they're still there. So I would pull on them, go to them, talk to them, create a, a, a community around you of people have some sort of advancement to this so that you don't lose any traction. Yeah, find a new trail. Yeah, find a new trail. Find a new trail. Um, the Psalms declare that his grace and his mercy is new every morning. Great is his faithfulness toward us. Please know this. Uh, in this conversation and uh, prayerfully this content has been a blessing to you. We'll have more coming in the near future. Uh, but know this, family. God is faithful. The Bible tells us if we confess our faults, the Lord Jesus is faithful and just to forgive us of all unrighteousness. Listen, he loves you. He loves you more than you could ever imagine. And he really wants to bless you even more than you want to be blessed. Seek God and live. Uh, we pray that this has been a blessing to you today. This has been pure talk. And for my, my co-host, Rodney Howard, Tierra Martin. Deidre Howard, I'm James Taylor. Uh, please let us know if this bless you. You can hit us up on any social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Thank you, uh, everybody in the sanctuary.
let us know you were blessed. You can also hit us up on our, our uh, website at hvcla.com if you want to email us directly. You want prayer. You want to talk more about these subjects in a more personal, direct way. Email us at amen at hvcla.com. We will engage with you. We're believing God for you. May the grace and peace of God be with you. We declare it to be done and it is so. In Jesus' name.